Welcome to Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Crezzi. We just watched the uh, United States presidential debate. Really thrilled to see two candidates, two candidates represent everyone's values in an open and fair election with no political, cultural, social systemic or even physical impediments for voting. Two candidates that all the kiddos can look up to. I actually think several years from now I'm gonna listen to this recording and be like, oh man, I really miss elections. Just looking in the mirror and seeing some stellar frown lines uh, form on my face. Fifties, some youngster will come up to me and be like, "Oh, 2020," and I'll be like, "Ah, huh, oh yeah." So I'll be telling improvised horror stories tonight, pulling titles from a hat. I've never seen any of them before. I usually pull one card for the theme, but I'm just gonna go straight into it tonight. Also submit titles by emailing uh, quarantinespookshow at gmail.com. So without further ado, I'm going to pull the first card. Alright, this first story is called, If I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening. Jonathan was pondering the lyrics. If I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening. But he couldn't for the life of him think of what song it came from. He only just thought of the words. If I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening. image of them were etched in his mind. They might as well have been on the wrinkles of his brain. 
hard hammer in the evening. It happened when he was doing a construction project with his neighbor, helping to build a shed and whatnot. So when he grabbed a hammer, the words suddenly appeared to him. If I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening. John Jonathan couldn't think why these words would conjure up, besides the fact that he was holding a hammer. about the two sets of phrases. At one point he was perusing a bookstore, and he would open some books and they would say, if I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening. Every sentence would go on like that. No matter what book he'd pick up, subject, no matter when it was published, he would just say, if I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening. He started to freak out a little bit, and he started seeing on street signs as well. Instead of stop, it'd say, hammer. Instead of library, it'd say, hammer. restaurant would be called Hammer, and when it listed its opening hours, it just said evening, 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 Hammer, evening. As he scrolled through social media, all the tweets and gram descriptions and posts, they'd all just say the same lyrics. If I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening. And it would lead him to do some mindless scrolling through these social media sites and these smartphone apps, hoping that maybe he would see something different. Maybe he'd see something that would wake him up from this mysterious curse of seeing the same lyrics everywhere he went. was happening, but it ended up being so bad that he could only hear people say, if I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening. It's like his mind was numb and he could only hear the same things over and over. try to spark some conversation and be like, hey, how's it? How are you, how are you holding up? How are you? And the mailman would just say, if I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening. And the 
Jonathan was just like, uh-huh, and, and what else? And then the mailman glared at him and said, If I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening. And then he'd go walk off. And Jonathan was just like, uh, okay, shit. as these phrases. So one night when Jonathan was lying awake, he just thought, maybe, if I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening. As he tried to ponder what the phrase meant, he just reduced all philosophy of it to the point of just thinking if I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening. Just those thoughts over and over again. It actually made it easier to interact with the world. He would just see someone and they would say hi to him form of if I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening. And then Jonathan would just reply, uh-huh, if I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening. And the other person would just smile and laugh, and Jonathan would go along with it. You could have thought that there was some peace to it at some sort. But he wasn't capable of that cognitive thought anymore. Just only if I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening. go by like this. Jonathan again was lying awake and just thought, if I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening. And that with that particular cognition of thought, he just thought, oh. not in a, the form of verbiage, but just thinking, having the urge to go to a hammer in his garage. using it in the evening. As he went into the garage, he rifled through his things and kept thinking the phrase, if I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening, just over and over again. And eventually he found the hammer. of wood. It was like ecstasy. 
He was ecstatic. He was stunned by how such great of a thrill to not only have a hammer, but to also use it in the evening. So he kept doing more of it, just took a bunch of nails and just drove into the piece of wood. It was exhilarating. He felt like everything in his life led up to that moment, those sets of moments. Once he ran out of nail nails, his thoughts started to change. The phrase, if I have a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening, disappeared from his head. It has already been weeks that's gone by when he just had those thoughts, and that's all he had. And he found a true bliss in it. Now he was without that fixation. And he had more thoughts and verbiage appear in his head, but he didn't know how to handle the sophisticated cognition of just typical thinking. So he desperately wanted to see and or hear the phrase again. So he went to his room and went on his phone and tried to read something online. But it was all just verbose social media, talking about the presidential election and whatever, basic news things, things his friends and family were doing, random shit that he stumbles upon sometimes, entertainment, a lot of the typical things that someone would find on their smartphone if they were perusing it. And he's just like, oh no, no, what's going on? All of this new information that seemed new, all this verbiage. God, and he was, he scared himself, because he hasn't heard himself say anything besides, if I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening for weeks. He's completely forgotten what life was like, without thinking, if I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening, and only hearing that. He started to panic a bit more. He ran out of his house and started screaming running through the neighborhood and then a neighbor came out and they were just like oh what are you doing man and Jonathan was just like ah shit it's been such a long time since he's heard anyone say anything besides if I had a hammer I'd hammer in the evening this basic uh, capacity for cognition and listening was too much for him he eventually ran back to his house He was in a state of insomnia. And eventually he freaked himself out to sleep. And then he woke up the next morning feeling very drained. And then he tried to think about it. He thought about the phrase that at first plagued him. And now he saw the phrase of salvation. No matter how hard he tried, no matter how much he thought about it, or asked about it to other people, or searched for it, 
He couldn't remember the phrase. If I had a hammer, I'd hammer in the evening. Not quite as spooky as uh, the president ranting, but <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. I said I couldn't guarantee if it could be more horrifying, but, yeah. Hmm. Spooky's not necessarily the same as horrifying. No, I like to try to do, like, a, you know, like a Twilight Zone thing, where, like, they, they weren't confined to one genre, man, you know? It's just like, dude, I like to, I like, the, I like versatility in storytelling, you know? This next story is called Pork Pie versus Cam Cop. I went into the incubation chamber. It always felt like an eternity. You see, the incubation chamber was a form of salvation to him. A space outside of uh, time and space. Uh, where he was surrounded by fluids and having wires connected to him. It was a space where he felt like the immortal being that he strived to be. So as he was having a dream about a lot of rabbits frolicking through a field, He heard a very stern and abrasive metal knock several times. Knock, knock, knock. This awakened pork pie. And then behind the knock, he heard a voice that said, Uh, sir, the, uh, the debate's over. And at this point, pork pie awakened from his slumber. giant egg and pork pie stepped out of it like a pool he was given a towel to cleanse his skin with all the ectoplasm and uh, the, the goo and the incubation chamber so he was wiping his face and wiping his body and saw one of his advisors uh, stare at him and watch him. <laughs> 
pork pie shouted, Don't you dare look at me, nude! And then the advisor just turned away. So sorry, sir. Sorry. Pork pie said, Oh, that's alright. So pork pie, uh, dried himself off. Put, him some, put on some, uh, briefs. A vice presidential suit. Shined the dome on his head that a lot of people called his hair. And then Pork Pie said, uh, How do we do? And uh, his advisor said, uh, Well, Mr. Pence, uh, after the debate aired, uh, one CNN anchor uh, called it a dumpster fire, and then another one called it a shit show right on television. Yes, good, good. And the advisor was just like, uh, okay. And then Pork Pie said, I must now prepare for my debate for, uh, Cam Cop. And the advisor said, uh, don't you mean, uh, Kamala Harris? And Pork Pie said, uh, that's what you call her. But I've known Camcop for hundreds of years. We've traveled space and planets together, <laughs> going to different planets, trying to rule and conquers, aligning with the lizard people to take over this primate-based civilization. The cows tried to stop us. president tried to say they're trying to take away the cows cleverly confusing his audience so no one knows what the fuck he's talking about but yes me and cam cop will be having our debate next week something that all you uh you know your primate based species can spectate over perhaps laugh at Maybe you can be entertained while your species and planet crumbles before your very eyes. And the uh, advisor nodded, and he was like, uh, okay, um, do you want to prep for the debate? And then Pork Pie said no. I've been ready for this debate all my life. Ever since I met Cam Cop in Nebula 7. sparred over the Great War of the uh, grass soldiers and uh, the, the blue pigs. No. And Pork Pie is just like, oh, I need you to do me a favor though, my good advisor. And uh, the advisor is just like, oh, yes, uh, sire? And Pork Pie said, I need you to take that moist towel and rub it on my face. And the advisor said, okay. So he started to rub pork pie, who he uh, perceived as Vice President Pence. And then pork pie said, yes, good, very good.
next week. Pork Pie was prepping for his debate. And by prepping, he was pretending to prep in front of the uh, humans for their own peace of mind. He was getting ready to talk about his uh, sterile Pur Puritan beliefs. In the Max Age, he saw uh, Cam Cop herself. She said, hello, Mr. Pence. Pork Pie said, uh, hello, Miss Harris. And then they both laughed together. Ha ha ha! These humans don't have a clue. And then Pork Pie said, uh, so are you ready to spar in front of the humans? And then Cam Cop said, oh yes, I am indeed ready. Porkpie laughed, and he said, uh, can you believe that we can't catch this, uh, disease spreading across the humans? That's why I never wear a mask, because Cam Cop is just like, yes, we are immune to COVID-19 and all that jazz. Cam Cop was, uh, holding a cup. It was a coffee cup, but it didn't have a lid. And then Pork Pie said, oh, they're letting you uh, walk around with that cup full of fluid without a cap on it? You know, they want to make the pandemic precautions look good on television. And then Cam Cop said, oh, I know, I know, but, you know, we're off camera now. And then she laughed, and then Pork Pie laughed. Cop stumbled and then spilled her liquid onto Mike Pence on his on his chin and his shirt. And then Pork Pie freaked out. Oh, what have you done? And the camp cop said, Oh, don't worry. It's just water. So Pork Pie tried to rub the water off, try to dry it off, but something was off about it felt a bit stickier. It reminded him, reminded him of the uh, ectoplasm he would ba bathe in in his incubation chamber. But it was different. It's like the difference between when you have a Coca-Cola with a bunch of sugar in it and then you have a Coke Zero right after it. And you can taste a severe lack of sugar to the point where it feels like it's brushing your teeth because the Coke Zero is decalcifying your teeth. It was similar to that sensation. And then Pork Pie thought, no, this is wrong. Something's, something's wrong about this. And then a stagehand was just like, huh, two minutes, Mr. Pence, uh, Vice President Pence. And then Pork Pie was just like, yeah. That's right. I am the Vice President. And whenever the President creates his own downfall, I'll be ready and waiting.
debate began. Pork pie and cam cop were duking it out over their supposed supposed philosophies in the guise of uh, being human, being politicians, and claiming to have the uh, American people's best interests. Now to pork pie, he was just like, ah, oh, yes. Me and cam cop will totally decimate the humans and the planet and all that jazz. But as the debate went on, something funny was happening to Pork Pie. He felt it on his chin and his lips at first. He would always keep his keep his lip he would always keep his lips stiff as he spoke. But this time they were quivering. Kept having to stretch his lips and his jaw. And he's just like, oh, what's going on? Kept feeling like he had to wipe something off his mouth and his chin. So he kept doing that, and he looked at his hand and saw that it was his own skin that was coming off. And he's just like, oh shit, oh no. He tried to have a stern, uh, Vice presidential stature, while also trying to conceal his face on television. And as the debate went on, his skin started to fall off more and more. And Pork Pie was just like, oh, what's happening? Eventually, he feels his whole body quiver. on the ground and eventually the audience was able to see his true form which is just a gratuitous nasty alien blob monster and poor Pa was just like oh no my immaculate white skin and white hair cam cop what have you done cam cop laughed and she was just like yes that's right Mike Pence or should I say pork pie? Pork pie freaked out because this was the first time that anyone knew about his alien name. And the camp cop said, that's right. You know, we've known each other for a hundred years. But I learned that the ectoplasm that you use in your incubation chamber is a direct inverse of mine. What I learned is that your ectoplasm preserves your skin, but it deteriorates mine. And my ectoplasm preserves my skin and deteriorates yours. So I thought what I'd do is I'd splash some on you so the American people could see what you really are. Pork pie was furious. The fact that she used the phrase American people made him realize that she was still gunning for the vice presidency, even though she was exposing him as an alien. And Pork Pie was just like, oh, goddammit, what do I do? And then he had an idea. He always kept a packet of his own ectoplasm in case his skin was cracking and he had to smear it on his face for self-preservation. 
So instead of using on himself, which his body was already already going, he ripped the packet open and threw it at Cam Cop. And got it on her face. And she started to scream, ah, ah. And then Pork Pie said, that's right. I always keep my own ectoplasm on me, so I can use it against you now. Your human form will deteriorate just as fast as mine. The camp cop screamed, oh, oh no. So her human form was also shedding, just like pork pies. And the audience was able to see the uh, personas of Mike Pence and Kamala Harris as who they really are. Pork pie and camp cop. Two gross aliens just fucking everyone's shit up. oxygen in the air. It's also bad for uh, camp cops and pork pies, true form. It acts as a form of rot to them. So as their human forms are deteriorating, their alien forms are also breaking down as well. So live on television, in front of the entire country of the United States of America, they watched the two vice presidential candidates not only be exposed as the aliens that they are, sent to fuck shit up on Earth, but also watched them deteriorate on live television. And then when the, uh, the debate cut to CNN, one of the anchors said, well, it wasn't as bad as the presidential debate. I mean, the moral of that story was, like, they're both not, not, I mean, like, yeah. that's, I mean, that's, like, this beside the point in mm-hmm. American voting. I'm just, yeah. like, you know, like, it's got flavor in the story, you know? Lizard uh, flavor. Lizard flavor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there, yeah. yeah. Could go for some lizard you know, she was just like, I'm a lizard. <laughs> yeah. Cam Cop's like, I'm African American, don't you trust me? Black people, fellow black people, I mm-hmm. am also a black person. You should vote for me. And in this story, she was like, just kidding, I'm a lizard. Yeah, well, no, she I didn't. Like the honesty. Well, she didn't expose herself really as an alien Borbis person. It was, not, not necessarily. You're right. You're right. I just felt like it was more maybe, to the life, I guess. Yeah, maybe, I she was tr- maybe she was trying to spin it as like. I think my uh, bar is low these days. Yeah, that's, that's uh, <laughs> that was a big. Maybe, yeah. Maybe I want Cam Cop to be a lizard. Maybe that's an easier. That'll be maybe yeah. That's a comfort to me thinking about Cam that, Cop as a lizard. Yeah, it, it would just like, okay. Yeah. That's the reason. Okay, that's why you're. It would make sense. It would make sense. And I, I want to live in a world that makes sense. <laughs> I want to live in a world that makes sense. Where makes sense, not sense. It's like Men in Black, where these are just like really terrible aliens. You know, that's why they're fucking... Just like, up. oh, yeah, they're just... Right. Inter- they're they're just like intergalaxy jerks, you know? Yeah, galactic jerks. They're not just human beings who have no idea what they're doing and don't give a fuck, you know? 
Yeah. Lizards. That's why they're having a hard time. Because the former would be a, a world that's hard to live in, you right. know? Yeah. You know, this camp If it was just like people doing this shit to other people. Help it. Yeah, like, oh, that's why she sent all those people yeah. to prison, you know? Right. yeah. Something a lizard, space lizard, space wouldn't do. space lizard would do, not a human no, being. No, a human being, that would be immoral and would awful. Immoral. No. Right. Not a good it's representation. Like the argue and debate, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, if it was in the story, Lizard Camp Pop would be like, listen, I'm not going to say I'm a lizard person, but I, will, I have lizard yeah. tendencies and I have difficulties relating to human I can I can use my wisdom from the past hundred years, <laughs> right. and bring Earth and the country back to where Into it a needs to be. Balance, yes, re- reptilian balance. I mean, mammalian balance. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Based on the last debate, I think it would be actually a decent platform to be like, I'm a space lizard. Yeah. You should vote for me because obviously you like... can't manage your own shit. Right. It's like the movie. Yeah. V. Do you remember that? V. From like the 80s. That was a whole lizards coming down mm-hmm. from outer space to take over humankind with their blorbousness. Well, there's there's others. There's another, at least one other spook show story where like their aliens do uh, abduct creatures and be like, you're fucking up Earth. We gotta, we're gonna help you out here, you know. We're, I think several stories are like that, you know. I just want, just want everything to be okay, you know. Shouldn't be a tall ask, but... Well, in this room, everything's going to be Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alright, this next story is called... <laughs> uh, yeah, the theme is taking shape tonight. This next story is called... I want to be... Under Obama. <laughs> 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. Yeah. <laughs> you and me both, Kyle. You both would be in Obama. <laughs> we figure it out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like who'd be topping and who'd be bottoming now. <laughs> President Barack Obama watched the uh, vice presidential debate just like everyone else in the country. He was away and traveling, uh, away from his family at the time, but he managed to, ca- he managed to catch it on the stream. So he decided to give his old friend a call, and he called Joe Biden. Obama said, uh, hey, uh, hey, Joe. And Joe's just like, oh, hey, Barack, Barry, what's up? And Obama's just like, 
Um, you saw the, the vice president, vice presidential debates, did you not? And then Joe said, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I was, I was there, I was there. And then Obama said, okay, well, they were both, uh, alien space people who infiltrated the human race and were admittedly undermining it. And then when they were both exposed, uh, the oxygen uh, deteriorated them. And then they just died uh, on live television in the United States. And Joe's just like, yeah, I know. And Obama's just like, you're probably gonna need a new VP pick. And then Joe's just like, yeah, yeah. I gotta, I gotta say, Barry, it's a, it's a real tumultuous race. And Obama's just like, a, it's, it's a indeed tumultuous. And Joe's just like, I don't even know if there's gonna be any elections after this one. You know, I just don't know how this. The, I want to win, but I don't know how this thing's gonna go. I mean, that last presidential debate was really fucked up. And Obama's just like, yeah. It sure was. And then Joe Biden said, Do you remember back in the day when I was under you? And Obama said, Yes. I do remember back when you were under me in the White House. And then Joe was just like, Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, the, back in the administration, yeah. Obama, if only I could be under you once again. And Obama was just like, yeah, those were the good old days. And then they chatted for a bit more. And then they hung up. Obama was staying in a hotel, and he went to go on a balcony and just, you know, think, think about himself, his own presidency, the country, uh, the state it's in, and all that jazz. What he did, and if it was even enough. And eventually, here's a. Large a loud sound that comes from beneath the balcony all the way down to the sidewalk. And it looked like a car accident. And Obama was just like, oh my god. So he ran down and then saw two cars crash together and a crowd start to surround them. Obama trying to be a good Samaritan, just like, oh shit, is anyone hurt? And other people in the crowd is like, oh shit, you're Obama. And he's just like, yeah, yeah. So he was looking around, uh, saw both drivers were injured. Someone already called uh, an ambulance to pick them up. He just wanted to arrive and see what he could do to help. 
one driver uh, had two passengers. The other had three. Everyone was injured in some way. Except for one passenger. A dude who was kind of seemed passed out, but also seemed uh, uninjured, unwounded. Eventually an ambulance came and tried to pick everyone up. The paramedics were checking people's wounds and Obama was looking around and he was just like, alright, it doesn't seem like anyone's, you know, dying here or anything. I better get it back to my room, you know. <coughs> and then he saw a fairly large uh, manhole that was open. that was passed out be dragged toward the manhole and then slide slid in underneath and then Obama was just like hey hey there's another guy here and one of the paramedics was just like oh what is it and Obama was just like yeah someone was just like taken so Obama went into the manhole and down into the sewer Passenger being carried by a mysterious figure going through the sewers. Then Obama was just like, hey, get back here. Started to chase after him. He didn't know how long he could run for if he tried to save the stranger. to this large opening. It was almost like a sewer cathedral of some sort. And then he saw the sleeping passenger on a podium at the center. As if he was going to be prepared for a sacrifice of some sort. And Obama went up to him and tried to wake him up, like, hey man, wake up, wake up. But the passenger is already dead. Not from the sacrifice, just from the car accident. figure. 
movements were similar to human, but also reptilian of some sort. My mom was just like, oh, what's going on here? He was surprised how he wasn't as shocked as he was expecting, considering the presidential and vice presidential debates that came before. So at this point, he was just like, oh, it's par for the course, I guess. Poke figure said, oh, you're gonna, it's gonna spoil if you don't back away. And Obama's just like, well, what do you mean? And then the cloaked figure said, we need it for the ritual, obviously. Under this very mysterious hotel. And Obama's just like, I still don't understand. Cloaked figure said, have you ever known that the hotel you're staying at is haunted? And Obama's just like, no, I didn't know that. And then the cloaked figure said, well, uh, dozens of uh, ghost adventure type shows went and did like reality programming in here. It was very, very spooky. And then Obama's just like, okay, sure, um, but I don't get why you took this dude's body. figure said we need to sacrifice it the flesh at least so we can calm the spirits that haunt the hotel and therefore haunt the sewers underneath where me and my brethren live <coughs> and then the passenger uh, who Obama thought was dead was kind of waking up a little bit just like oh, what's, what's going on was just like, oh, you can't use his body. Couldn't you use something from the morgue or something, you know? I'm sure I can set you up with a different kind of body to calm these spirits. And then the cloak figure was just like, no. If this passenger's alive, then we have to kill him and then sacrifice him to the spirits of the hotel so that they will stifle and no longer harm anyone both from your species and my own. And then the passenger shouted, just like, oh shit, I don't, I don't want to do that. No, come on. And then Mama thought about it, and he was thinking, uh, you can use me instead. And then the cloaked figure said, what? And then Obama said, yes, you can sacrifice my body to calm these spirits. If you're gonna take one of us, might as well be me. And the passenger said, oh, you know, you don't have to do that, Obama, you know. And Obama's just like, no, I wanna do it. It's true, I have countered some of the some of the spirits that have been at the hotel. And they are suffering indeed. of the spirit world, it seems like it's bringing the spirit world out of balance. So if I sacrifice myself for the spirit of this hotel, not only the spirits in this hotel, but it attracts a lot of spirits that have passed through it. And then the cloaked figure said, yes, it is a state of transit for the spirit world. That's why it's gone awry, and that's why we have to do the sacrifice to appease them. Will bring balance to 
not only the physical world, but also the spirit world. And the Obama said, all right. So I can tell you, the physical world could sure use some fucking, could use some fucking balance right now. So Obama undid his tie and he was just like, okay, I am indeed ready. specifically they caused that car crash <coughs> and they do want to use my body for their ritual but it won't bring any balance to the spirit world despite the hauntings of this hotel they're not trying to appease the spirits there they just want to sacrifice a soul and body for their own personal gain So they kept running, and then they reached the manhole cover where they arrived at. Then they both went up the ladder. The cloaked figures were coming in close. Obama reached the manhole cover. And the cloaked figures went to grab at the passenger. And Obama tried to save him. And then the passenger said, No, Obama, you go. It's okay. Go on without me. And Obama was just like, No, but I gotta save you. And the passenger said, No, it's too late for me. Just go, just go. Climbing up, made it out of the manhole cover, and he, he looked into the he looked into the manhole and saw that under him was the passenger from that car wreck, being torn apart by all these cloaked mysterious figures, all by hand, and the passenger was screaming, and eventually he stopped screaming. And that was the end of it. Then he just became a body. So Obama went to close the manhole cover and then stood up and stumbled. He's never seen anything like that firsthand before. He turned and saw some other bystanders from the car wreck. They witnessed the exchange at the end. Obama, what happened? And then Obama said, well, you know, I don't know how to say this, but 
of the passengers of the car wreck was captured by these cloaked figures from the sewers. And they wanted to sacrifice one of us for a ritual. I tried to volunteer myself. And then the passenger suggested that we both get away. And as we both tried, they ended up getting to the passenger. And then I managed to escape. But as much as I tried, I, I couldn't save him. And then the passenger said, oh, Thanks, Obama. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't think it would. Yeah, went a lot of directions that I wasn't expecting it to go. You know. <laughs> All right, this last story is called Captain Barnacles. <laughs> Tremendously difficult for not only live performers as a whole, but also for children's party entertainment. Rodney, who went by the alias Captain Barnacles, would always perform at children's parties as the moniker of a seafaring captain, an old-timey, jolly Ahab type, the whole Argmady thing, they'd be like, hey kids, I'm Captain Barnacles. Often these kids would have parties that are themed around uh, the sea and pirates or something like that. had other peers that would dress as a pirate of some sort and do a pirate's themed thing. But Captain Barnacles was just like, no, I will never dress as a pirate. I'm just a seafaring captain, an explorer, a merchant. Cobb piping, that's that. But he tried to find ways to perform uh, during the pandemic. He tried to do Zoom calls, one-on-one Q&As with uh, birthday kids. But he wasn't having any luck. He also got a lot of gigs at a large-scale events like roller rinks, but they weren't open, nor were they booking him. 
and financially it was putting him in the red. So one day, he's meeting a peer, is it a peer of his named Melissa, who dresses as a princess and goes to princess theme parties. They were meeting at a bar that was socially distanced and hanging out in the patio, having some beers and just chatting about their trade and how work's going for them, and just life in general. But they didn't go as their monikers, they were just... Melissa and Rodney just getting a drink, catching up. But as they talked about the trade, uh, you know, Rodney was just saying, like, yeah, it's fucking really fucking tough to get kit get gigs, you know? Like, I don't want to get anyone sick, and I don't want any kids to get me sick. You know, it's pretty fucking... It's a bad year for birthday parties. And then Melissa said, yeah, tell me about it. got like one gig offer like all month but I don't even want to take it and then Rodney was just like oh what kind of gig's that and then Melissa was just like well it's just like a it's at like a it's at a house and it's not a they didn't say what it was for they just said to come to come to the event and do your thing said, well, that seems simple enough. And then Melissa said, yeah, but the house is uh, allegedly, like, haunted, and uh, I heard that the person lives there is, like, really creepy, and I just don't want to do anything with it. I'm just trying to find work in other ways instead of, you know, doing, like, this kind of entertainment. But Rodney said, well, I can do the... I don't mind going there and doing the Captain Barnacles thing, you know. <coughs> Be happy to go over there. And then Melissa was just like, alright, if you if you want to, you Aquanaut champ you. Yeah, I'll give you the contact info and you can just go for yourself. Let me know how it goes. So Melissa gave Rodney that contact information. And Rodney made an inquiry about like, hey, Melissa didn't want to do your gig, but I'm totally down for doing it. And he gets a swift email back saying, Excellent, we meet at the house and we'll get started. And then Rodney was just like, Okay, cool, cool. in his room and dressed as Captain Barnacles and was just like, oh, it's, it's been months since I've taken the moniker of Captain Barnacles and like dressed, you know, he had his blue jacket, his sailor cap, his fake beard and his corncob pipe. Sometimes he'd even squint his eyes as, as if he'd been in the sun for a long time. to the house 
house. He's like, oh, this is the place. So he got out in costume. Uh, he also had his uh, briefcase full of uh, knickknacks and uh, sailor paraphernalia to show the kids around. Some of it was actually at sea, and some kids were actually into the historical element of him dressing up like a captain. referring to himself as Captain Barnacles. He's always in character when he does gigs, even when he's not performing. He knocks on the door, and then uh, a man approximately in his 30s answers. With some glasses on, and then Captain Barnacles is like, Ah, matey, you. Ha! <laughs> matey, you. Uh, Captain Barnacles was still out of practice. He was just like, fuck, okay, Captain Barnacles, you can do this. You fucking Captain Barnacles. And he was just like, Arr, matey, I heard you booked Captain Barnacles. And the guy was just like, oh yeah, hi, come in, you know. And then in his head, Captain Barnacles was just like, yes, nailed it. So they walked in, and they were in a... the living room, and it looked like a... it was like a kid's party, but like no kids were there, you know. There were some balloons, uh, a singing fish on a wall, you know? And it was Sailor and Sea themed, like an under the sea theme. And Captain Barnacles was just like, okay, I can get into this. And on the wall was just a, a two way glass. And Captain Barnacles was on the mirror side. Another guy comes out from a door on the side where the window is, and he shakes Captain Barnacle's hand, like, ah, oh, I'm so thrilled to meet you. And then Captain Barnacle's is just like, ah, our matey, you know. And then the guy who answered the door is just like, yeah, so we're psychologists, uh, we're doing an experiment. Uh, so all we, all we need from you is just to, you know, be in this room and do your thing. Rodney was just like, oh, what the, what's going on here? It's kind of weird. And then an attendant, uh, wearing all white, was putting child-sized mannequins all around the room, as if forming an audience. And as Captain Barnacle saw this, Rodney was just thinking, oh, why didn't, I wonder why they didn't tell me about this, and advertise it as just a party. Eventually, the scientists are just like, okay, great, so just do your thing, and just, we'll, yeah, we'll let you know when you're done. We'll pay you and everything. And the Captain Barnacle's just like, oh, alright, matey, uh, okay. So they both went in, inside the room, and Captain Barnacle's was alone in the, in the room, looking at the children mannequins. And he's just like, okay, uh, he started to do his act, just being all like, oh, arg matey, went in his suitcase and brought out a sea par paraphernalia and like a rubber fish, and he was trying to do a sword fighting thing, but he would fight with one of the kids with a floppy fish, but the mannequins didn't respond. It made it a lot more difficult for 
Rodney to really get into Captain Barnacles because they were just mannequins that were spe uh, spectating. That Rodney was almost on the verge of breaking character and being like, hey, this is, you know, I usually do gigs and stuff. But then his inner Captain Barnacles was just like, nah, just be all r about it. So Captain Barnacles kept performing for the mannequins. And then he heard a beeping sound from an intercom. And then the voice of one of the scientists said, Great, great, alright, just just give it a pause. We're going to change the environment a little bit. And then Captain Barnacles was just like, uh, arg matey? And then two attendants came in and they quickly... Uh, redecorated the room at a Saturday Night Live pace, taking out all the party paraphernalia. And replaced it to what looked like a attending room for a psychiatric hospital. And the intercom went on, was just like, okay, keep doing it. And Rodney as Captain Barnacles was just getting confused. It's like a art maybe, you know? It's just like, oh, this is fucking weird. What do you thought? You know what? I was paid to do a gig. I'm just gonna play it as is. So Cam Barnacles just like went into it. He started doing his act. Had the floppy fish. Had to see paraphernalia. He was almost getting close to breaking character. But he was just like, nah, I gotta stay in it. You're doing great. And then Cam Barnacles was like, oh yeah, alright, matey. We're gonna redesign the room again, so just again, do weird, do what you usually do. And then uh, the two attendants came in and then they redesigned the room again. It took a little bit more time this time. It took a lot more effort. And they redesigned the room. As if it was a bar from the 1870s in New England, in a port town at a wharf, and it actually did feel like it was a like a bar from that time. The type of character Captain Barnacles is based off of. was starting to do the act at first, you know, he had the floppy fish to see paraphernalia. One of the attendants was dressed in a different outfit from that era, just uh, wiping down the bar. And Captain Barnacles was just like dancing around, doing his thing, being jolly. And then he started to get more exhausted, and he was just like, uh, actually I could use a drink. sits down at the bar and the bartender says oh what are you going to be having Count Barnacles you know this is a new threshold for Rodney whenever he transforms into Captain Barnacles it's always for the sake of children's entertainment but now it can be what ba Captain Barnacles is which is just a seafaring captain from the 1870s 
so Cam Barnacle said, oh, just give me a, just give me an ale, you know. And the bartender gives him a drink, and he's just like, oh, did you get back from a voyage? Cam Barnacle said, yeah, seven months. It's really brutal. Got hit bad with a real storm on the way back. And then his inner Rodney voice was just like, what the fuck's going on? Just, I'm really getting into being Cam Barnacles, but... Is this still a performance, or am I truly the Cat and Barnacles? So him and the bartender kept chatting about the sea. As Rodney spoke as Cat and Barnacles, he was surprised at how much seafaring knowledge that he was actually able to tap into. Of course, Rodney has done, done some research for the Captain Barnacles role. Never has has he ever been able to just, you know, be that thing. He didn't know how much time passed. Could have been an hour, could have been two. But the longer they went on, the more Rodney was actually starting to feel like Captain Barnacles. felt at home and at peace. Then the intercom went on again. And he was just like, and they was just like, okay, we're gonna do another scene change. And then Captain Barnacles was just like, our matey? And then the two attendants uh, went back and started to transform the room again. This time back to the uh, patient ward uh, room. With the bed and everything and whatnot. And then when they finished, they left the room. And the inter intercom didn't signal to be all like, Captain Barnacle, do your thing. Just left them as is. And Captain Barnacle started to freak out. He's just like, what is this? What time is this? What era is this? What planet is this? This is not the seafaring New England life that I've led. He tried to leave the door. He tried to lock tried to unlock it. He banged on the two-way mirror. He's starting to scream and shout all of the seafaring curses that he could muster. And he's starting to shout, like, get me out of here, get me out of here. and a psychologist ran out of the room and started to grab him. And then the other psychologist was just like, Rodney, it's okay. You can calm down. The experiment's over. We're calling it. And Captain Barnacles shouted, I don't know who Rodney is. I'm, I'm Captain Barnacles. And the psychologist said, Rodney, you're a children's performer in the moniker of Captain Barnacles. We hired you for a gig for our own experiment. We got the data we needed. You're free to go. Captain Barnacles kept shouting all the seafaring curses that he could. He was just like, let me out of here. And then the psychologist said, you're free to leave anytime you want. Here's your suitcase. They hand him a suitcase full of his uh, children's entertainment props. So Captain Barnacles uh, leaves the house and goes on and wanders around in a daze through his suitcase and 
recognize some of the things because some things are authentically from the 1870s. But he doesn't recognize the rubber fish or anything like that. So Cam Barnacles just looked around, trying to seek answers in a world that no longer made sense to him. That's a quote. Yeah. You would think that how long did I quote Anchorman and how many people were just like didn't even understand. Yeah. 